Welcome to your daily affirmations. Repeat after me, working with others is easier than ever. I strive for perfect collaboration. Our teamwork keeps getting better. Yeah, affirmations are great, but Monday.com can really get you the teamwork you desire. Work together easily and share files, updates, data, and just about anything you want all in one platform. Affirm yes to start. Or tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network, and I'd like to tell you that we have a new and improved website. It has two new features that we think you'll love. One of them is a vastly improved search engine so that when you type in keywords, you'll get a bunch of episodes really quick. The other is the ability to create a listener account. And in that listener account, you can save episodes for later listening. So you can create a kind of listening list. We think these features are neat and we think you'll enjoy them. Please visit the site today. Welcome to the New Books Network. Hello, everyone. This is Nicole Powell, a host on New Books in African American Studies, a channel on the New Books Network. I'm excited to again be in conversation and sharing virtual space with Dr. Philip Butler. So to introduce Dr. Philip Butler, he's a term assistant professor of theology in Black Post-Human Artificial Intelligence Systems at ILIF School of Theology in Denver, Colorado. He is also the founder of The Seeker Project, a distinctly Black conversational artificial intelligence with mental health capacities. His work primarily focuses on the intersection of neuroscience, technology, spirituality, and race. He's also the editor of the book that we'll be talking about today, Critical Black Futures, Speculative Theories and Explorations, a volume that explores Black futures from various vantage points. His first book project is entitled Black Transhuman Liberation Theology, and it imagines what might happen when Black people utilize technological advancements to enhance both Black spiritualities and Black bodies in the struggle of materializing liberating realities. Currently, he is working to construct a Black post-humanism that is both critical and speculative in nature. He is also building a distinctly Black artificial intelligence interface combining machine learning and psychotherapeutic systems. So thank you for joining me, Dr. Butler. Glad to have you again. Yo, Nicole, thank you so much for agreeing to talk with me once yeah, more. Of course. <laughs> and not being tired of me the first time. Yeah. Um, just really excited to be here. Yeah, me too. Thank you. Um, so I want to start off with a question that you ask in the introduction. And that question is, what is a necessary event or context that precipitates Black innovation in the future? So in this in this contemporary moment that we're in, in the context of the pandemic, we see the intersection of disparities in healthcare and access. And I think a lot of people also who have lost loved ones have become even more aware of their mortality and their human um, their human state. Um, so how does critical Black future speak to this contemporary moment, and particularly the impact of the pandemic on Black communities? Um, I think that critical Black futures opens a a portal. Right, and, and not a portal in 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 the sense of escape, but a portal in the sense of seeing potential possibilities, uh, because we recognize in this moment uh, there are various ways in which Black folks are in spaces where they're not in position to navigate or, at the very least, direct right their own uh, trajectories of their lives. Right, they're they're not in control of their futures broadly, um, and so. I think that when we start looking at these these kind of critical landscapes, it becomes a not just a tool and not just a, a particular method for framing the future or imagining the future or you know placing ourselves on a path towards the future, but it allows us to engage in the type of critical discourse 
that uh, that can potentially be, and, and I think that's more of the hope of, of, of some of the aspects of this project uh, when we talk about engaging the critical nature is that we hope that thinking critically will allow for the gaps between the space of, of being in, in uh, continually uh, historically marginalized and perpetually in space of disproportionalities, uh, we can begin to build these bridges with with clear struts uh, and that are that are not so much whimsical. And I know that sometimes it's important to have big dreams, but I think that there's a a a connecting piece that comes with like plotting, you know, plotting and planning and strategizing. And I think that's where the um, I think that's where the critical aspects come into play. Yeah, and I think something that you do in your work is you really center like plotting and thinking about the future as central to the critical discourse um, and as central to what progresses social change forward or has been central to a lot of Black critical thought. Um, So why is speculation important for Black critical discourse? And are there lessons we can take from Black theologies, um, given their imaginative nature, and critical modes of thought, or do you see Black theology within this critical discourse? Sure. No, I, um, I think that this, this speculative piece becomes um, important when we start talking about reverse engineering. You know, we, we see how other folks uh, project into the future and we see what potential uh, realities they hope to happen. And even some of the dystopian realities that they imagine, given the potential for things to go awry right in our present realities. Uh, but nevertheless, I think if, if we look at what's been presented by other folks, what we say we want and what we are working towards, then it gives us the opportunity to kind of uh, to kind of look at uh, what is there and then, you know, and, and then map it out backwards. Uh, because if we want to get here, then there's certain things we have to do now and there are certain things we got to do. Right. And, and it doesn't necessarily have to be chronological in the sense that like by year 2025, this has to happen, you know, or by 2040 or 2075, these kind of things. I just think that if we're if we're honest about the the spaces that we want to um cultivate and create and foster, then there is a real uh, kind of walking walking the path backwards in order to make sure that the things that would constitute that moment are available and converging at that specific moment to allow for that moment to, uh, to be the case. And I think that theologies are important here. And I think this is also where... And I, I, I'm trying to remember if we, we talked about this before, but this is I think this is where you have like this convergence between um, <laughs> between pessimisms um, and, and theologies, because the pessimism uh, allows you to look at kind of the, the, the darkest of, of, of the way in which the world is or the darkest of things. Uh, but then the theologies allow for spaces of hope. And so um, there's a, I think there's, you know, I'm not gonna. I'm gonna. I'm not gonna butcher the saying, but you know, when when things are the darkest, then the, <laughs> then the you know the light is around the corner, or you know you have nowhere to go but up. But and so I think that's that's where we we allow for this uh, allow for us allow for a sense of disillusionment that comes with the critical uh, what comes with the critical eye, and then and then the theological allows for uh, allows for hope to come to to come into into the picture, and, and then it allows for creativity and possibility to flourish. Right. Yeah. And I think you were speaking a little bit about having or there's a necessity to look forward in this moment to see where we want to go and to visualize Mm -hmm. that. And I think it just reminds me of like disrupting time and disrupting like what's linear and leaning into that chaos. And I think your work also just speaks in the introduction more to like how leaning into that chaos or leaning into I think you use the word incomprehensibility is just like is is crucial to the black tradition also. Um, so yeah, finding power in that space. Um, 
Yeah. And I know a lot of readers who will see the title Critical Black Futures will think about Afrofuturism. Um, and you actually locate Critical Black Futures in part of the trajectory of Afrofuturism. But can you describe more about the differences between Afrofuturism and Critical Black Futures? Um, and then also maybe a little bit about the language, like why not why not Afrofuturism? Why Black Futures? Right. No, I, I think that's fair. Right. And so, like, I think there's a few different spaces for for us to to engage in a, a, like a launch pad or, or 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 to to begin to, to jump off from. Um, I think when we look at um, Afrofuturism uh, as as delineated by by a few folks, Tosh Romack and and a lot a lot of the work that Renato Anderson has been doing as of late, especially when they've been working to you know unpack a lot of the the earlier definitions of the term um, itself. So uh, you have 1.0, which is like, like where people are kind of coming to, uh, coming into uh, Afrofuturism or something. Even I think uh, Renato, uh, Renato Anderson gives a like a timeline. I, I don't want to butcher it at the moment, but it's definitely uh, um, definitely earlier uh, in, I think it's, um, I am butchering this timeline, so forgive me. And don't yell at me, Dr. Anderson. So look, <laughs> right. But basically, we're, we're talking about anywhere from like the, the like right right before the Harlem Renaissance up until like the '90s, right? We start talking about the digital digital divide and whatnot. And then we have 2.0, which is this this part where you have folks uh, who who are primarily black beginning to engage in this work uh, more broadly. And then you and then in this and then you. Uh, within that, it it's becomes this kind of a global pan-African movement. And I think he also is outlining uh, a 3.0, which becomes when Africans engage in Afrofuturistic uh, work. Um, and so along that trajectory that Renato Anderson outlines for us, right, uh, you could locate uh, critical Black futures within the 2.0 movement, mainly because, you know, <laughs> the, 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 if, you look, if you go through uh, the authors in this text, they're uh, predominantly Black and they are in the American context uh, engaging in this kind of speculative and uh, in, in arts, arts field. And so when we talk about uh, any particular um, distinctions we're also talking about the ways in which the critical nature and so you could look at this in terms of a uh, critical theory which has its kind of roots in uh, at least in, in traditional academic settings kind of going back to like like the Franker school and stuff like that but I think you know there are we, we could argue that this you know it's the critical theory is more of a spirit or a a disposition that has obviously you know lingered you know, and existed much it goes back further than that, um, but critical black futures being different from Afro futures futurism uh, gives it a sense that it, it focuses specifically on blackness uh, in in uh, in the and <laughs> the I hate to say the word uh, rabbit hole, but I don't hate to say the word rabbit hole because we're we're talking about the abyss and and you've alluded to it even in kind of on the the end of what you what you were saying before before about this um, this chaos this uncertainty um, this uh, this this, um, that's what I'm looking for. This jazz, right? This fluidity, this movement, right? And, and, um, and allows for the stochastic framing that is not, it's not random in the sense that it's, it doesn't make sense. And even if it does make sense, it's not up to the people to decipher it, but it's the people that are in it to decipher it. And so it gives this clarity, uh, that comes out of the abyss. Uh, and so it's, it's rest, it's resting in and wrestling with the very thing that would, um, that would be, uh, spoken against as being black in this way. Right. And just just given that I I feel like locating it within the trajectory could be challenging just given that it's not loyal to 
conceptions of time and it's it leans into the abyss as you said and into what's not comprehensible so maybe like finding that location of when black futures became part of the discourse would be really challenging or locating it even before afro pessimism i mean afro futurism yeah and and i and i yeah, and i think you're right in the sense that this kind of disloyalty to time is because it's not meant to be that way and i think the critical nature is also it's meant to create like these um these percussive uh, moments of, of disillusionment. It's like we think that we've got something and then we qu- we qu- we ask another question and it separates us further from the thing we thought we had. And we, we may get settled, right, when, you know, as like the, you know, it's a symbol, the, the, the immediate clash and it comes back down, just kind of thinking about Moton's work. But then we ask another question and it's like another gong or another symbol clash. And it, if, it just kind of takes us further and further from what we thought was our original center in places and new, in new spaces that, you know, that become home, but only for a moment. Right. Um, and just putting it in the academic sense of when it started becoming more part of the like academic discourse, would you locate it as Dr. Sinatieri has in his chapter in your work as part of Du Boisian thought um, or earlier or sooner? Would you agree with that? Or where would you locate it as beginning in our like the academic discourse? I mean, I think that I think that would uh like Senator is, is doing is giving us again is uh, this uh, is giving us this kind of academic uh, trajectory, which which in some ways could definitely start with uh, Du Bois, right? Um, and and just the trailblazing work that he had already done. Um, but I think that there, if but what the question uh, becomes, so I, I was I'll say I'll say off the immediate the academic space, sure. But and I think that's also why it's just it's critical black futures. It's not the critical black futures. And so like the critical black futures also suggest like an A critical black right. futures or critical black futures in an open sense. Uh, because right, uh, and even in the text we 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 have folks, you know, who are engaged uh in in the world of art, in the world of dance and um and so on and so forth. And so this the the the, the origin or the starting point, I think can easily be disrupted uh, if we were to locate it in one space. But I think that what's helpful and what Dr. Sanitary is doing, at least from a Du Bois standpoint, is locating uh, some of these earlier roots. Because I think other folks would say that Du Bois' work definitely does, is not predated. If we want to go in a literary sense, there have been folks who have, within a literary space or even other uh, just kind of the embodied spaces who have done uh, kind of these critical Black futuristic uh, work uh, prior to uh, his, you know, kind of putting pen to pad. And you talked about a little bit about there not being like one singular black future, but rather like critical black futures rather than a black future. Um, and just wondering if that at all aligns with the reasoning behind doing the anthology format and wanting to choose a variety of different ways to reflect black futures, a, di- a multiplicity of perspectives. Um, why was that important to you rather than just writing or theorizing yourself? Um, why was the anthology format more useful to you in this way? No, I think that's an excellent question. So I think, I think you're already kind of like hitting the nail on the head. It's like, I, I have no, uh, I have no ownership over of the critical of critical black futures in this way. Right. And, and if the, if the whole point in many cases is to create um, these, these layers and levels of disillusionment uh, that comes from uh, the critical aspects, then it is imperative that we have as many voices as possible from as many locations and positionalities of embodiment within the black within the spectrum of blackness, right, as possible in order to engage in this kind of um, 
uh, this implosive, explosive, right? This diversion, and you know, again, it's this uh, this disruptive force because as long as we attempt to, as long as anybody attempts to uh, create this kind of singular approach to to things, then there's immediately going to be uh, somebody that comes follow that comes along with it and and does the dissolutionment for them. Yeah. <laughs> and so, what, yeah. what hope the hope is that you know that we open the door and welcome the disillusionment not as a motive of as opposition, but as a motive of, uh, of, uh, what was the word I'm looking for? It's, as just as, as a, as a motive of, of quantum embodiment, meaning that things can exist, uh, at the same space at the same time and, be, and, and, and also just be multi, be multitudinous, right. but also simultaneously, uh, be in this, these multi-planar, multi-dimensional spaces, but still be real and still be, hey, not to use the word true, but, but, but to be tangible and even to be intangible, but their intangibility to not be something that, that, that takes away from the credibility. And so uh, I think it's just a, a, it's just an open invitation to be as uh, disillusioning as potentially possible. I don't know about you, but I'm very busy and I don't have a lot of time to cook. That's why I subscribe to Factor. Eating better is easy with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. These are two-minute meals. Factor meals are ready to eat in heat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. They're flexible for your schedule. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast premium options with no cooking required. Sign up and save. We've done the math, and this is important. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com slash NBN50 and use code NBN50 to get 50% off. That's code NBN50 at factormeals.com slash nbn50 to get 50% off. And I think you also in in your idea of like including different mediums that reflect Black futures, I think you also reflect that multiplicity that you were talking about. There's pictures, art, there's text, there's academic work, there's like analysis of dance. There's just so many different mediums that people are using to reflect what they idealize around Black futures. Um, And I think that reflects kind of your messaging around it being just like infinite or being multiple quantum ways of being all at once in the same time. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So how does this work diverge or build upon the themes of your previous work, Black Transhuman Liberation Theology? Um, That's a good question. I think it it stays, at the very least, it stays within the modes of of technology or the technological. even if the technology is the body, uh, I think there's ways in which we look at uh, ourselves uh, as the very thing that we use to communicate, and we use our ourselves as, are the extenders of our own consciousness. As you know, whenever they're in conversation with somebody else's extension of their con- consciousness, and so uh, the technological, I think, is a very uh, very real aspect of it. Um, and I think there's also, again, we talk about freedom or, liber- or these liberative kind of themes or motifs that that exist throughout. I, while while I am one to actively and intentionally question anything that promotes itself to be free, free, freeing, or liberating, I still think it's an, it's a worthwhile thing uh, or concept to sit with, uh, because even uh, as as our understandings of these terms shift, 
we still at the very least become clearer about the ways in which we attempt to move toward them um, individually, collectively, so on and so forth. And and then, you know, this kind of spiritual aspect of it. Cause I think well, I, I uh, am a proponent of the idea that the, that our epistemologies are our spiritualities. Uh, and so regardless of whatever sits in the seat of God in your, in your framing, it becomes a thing that you center your world around and the things and the, your understandings of love and community and people and yourself, mm-hmm. um, you know, or the universe or so on and so forth. Like the way that you understand these terms sets up the way in which you relate to, you know, yourself, to other people, to nature, so on and so forth. And so these, these become your spiritualities, which is another reason why I think the, 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 uh, the framing of, of, of the criticality become so important because I think that uh, in many cases, I would argue that one spirituality is often an, a, an, an opaque thing that only becomes clearer through uh, critical introspection. And I think that that's something that I, that I highlighted in my previous work and it's something I think that I'll continue for, at least for the time being. Um, and so when we talk about asking people to become to be critical of the very thing that they say they identify as or understand about themselves, we're also asking them to engage uh, in, a, in a particular ritual and embark on a journey that, at, that, that allows for them to either throw away something that they thought they held dear or come closer to it and, and then have a reason why. Um, that allows for a, a, you know kind of a, a strengthening of that of that understanding of themselves and the things that they relate to. Wow. When you're when you're speaking just now, I'm thinking so much about um, imagination and the emphasis on imagination in theology and, as you said, in critical mm-hmm. discourse. And I'm I'm thinking also about like your last chapter, New Hampton, and how New Hampton is like an ideal um, like new version of Wakanda or like American version of Wakanda. Um, but the difference is that New Hampton has been colonized or it has been touched or it's not untouched by colonization um, or like outside influences. And I'm wondering, this is kind of a really deep question, but I'm wondering, I'd be curious about your thoughts on like, how can people who are oppressed or who have been colonized, are their imaginations decolonized or how do you, do you believe that that can be separate from someone's imagination? Um, Someone who is a colonized person, do you believe that their imagination can be free of the colonization, um, or is that a decolonial space? I think the I think the act of decolonizing is something that will probably go on into to infinity in many cases. But I also think that there there has to be on some level a a willingness to determine what is yours and what is not yours, or meaning that like when we talk about uh, something as simple as like empiricism right or science or something like that like this these things that seem to to be um aspects of like of coloniality or things that come from coloniality where people indigenous peoples um and folks who um you know from different modes of of, of, of diasporic spaces had their own sciences right and their own under ways of understanding that that may be oppositional but in some ways are very much uh alike and so the question becomes like do we what do we get to determine is solely owned by the colonizer, especially if if the act of colonizing is is primarily expansion and absorption, 
And if expansion and absorption is is a thing where people no longer cite where they get their ideas from and somehow get yeah. credit for <laughs> for other people's stuff, then it's 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 really uh, you know it it becomes this this gray space where it seems like people don't have anything except for what has been given to them by people who have stolen everything. <laughs> so, right. And so we talk Just about this economy. Yeah. Right. Uh, and so like when we um. We're talking about like this, like decolonized imagination. I, I just, I just wonder, like, what is it that you want, um, and then what is it that you are gonna are gonna be clear about is yours, uh, stemming from where you came from, or recognizing that even in the midst of everything here, this is something that you're willing to hold on to, uh, after again engaging in the, the act of disillusionment. All right, uh, and I, I guess I'm, I'm also just. Uh, I guess I'm I'm also just just curious about the ways in which we we begin to uh and begin to do the work of of anti-colonialism and 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 in the sense that we are working to demarcate our own space and unlink ourselves from coloniality while simultaneously creating barriers or barricades or boundaries at the very least that allow for us to maintain the space that we are we are re- you know, reclaiming or reconciling within ourselves, let alone our communities and the peoples that we that we are connected to and care about most. Um, and so I, I say all that to say again, like you know, what is it that you what is it that you are choosing to to stay with, and what is it that you are? How is that affecting the ways in which you choose to you know move freely about the world? I hope this making. I hope that makes sense. That does make that does make sense. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's challenging to differentiate, or it's challenging for a colonized subject to differentiate. Like, or yeah, and, and it's a really important question to ask. Like, what do you, what do you want to claim as your own? What do you want to claim as indigenous to yourself? Or maybe even if it's something syncretic that was formed as a result of colonial influence, do you still want to claim that? It's just a really important question to ask when thinking about like the process of decolonization. What do you want to claim? And it's a challenging yeah. question. Um, no, it, it is. Yeah. It is. Um, and, no, no, I just want to. I just want to add this yeah. one thing because it, it is a challenge. Because you, you talk about this kind of dissipation. It's like we can't go back, yeah. right? And then you know when we talk about decolonization, right? There's a I remember there was a 2018 essay about romanticizing the decolonial subject, and it's like, like we don't even know enough about those folks to really to really create this relationship in the way we'd like to, and and so it's like, you know, again, so then what do we project forward into the future? You know, what su- what subjects do we want to be, or what subjects do we want to create? You know, through our families and through our communities. You know, what practices do we want to take from this space and the one that we that we look fondly upon, that we have, you know, less of a tangible you know, relationship with. And then how do we turn these new rituals into, you know, into spaces that are sacred, that uphold, you know, the, the places that we wish we had, we had been able to be in contact with and the, and the people that we are being in contact with and hoping to, you know, set, set a, set a realm for, you know, in the future. Yeah. And it, does this also relate to why you chose New Hampton to be uncolonized? I mean, not t- not removed, not <laughs> why you chose New Hampton to be um, colonized or touched by colonization or have been touched. Is that why just like that claiming of not not totally disavowing it, but cl- claiming some things and asking yourself what things can you claim or can you locate in your own lineage and that you want to incorporate into what becomes after colonialism? 
I think I think I think so. But I, I kind of want. I, and I but I, and again, I think this is uh, you know, New Hampton is. I think it's a, it's it's a place that we can get to from here, right? Um, and if it is a place that we can get to from here, then uh, then it would it would have been touched at one point. Like say it would yeah. say if say it was a county in California, right? Or uh, you know it was a municipal you know a municipality, you know in in the in the middle of you know, Wyoming or something at one point, that means that, you know, it had already kind of been, it had already been touched. It had already been uh, in communication with, you know, imperial powers at one point. And then, you know, the, the work of, of, of attempting to create these uh, militarized, you know, community owned (laughs) spaces that, that, that somehow are able to, um, engage in kind of this equitable distribution amongst the amongst Black folks in this in this city, right? It, it recognizes it recognizes what disparity is, right? So it's 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 come from a place that knew what disparity was. It's come from a, it's come from a, a knowledge of what you know of what Tulsa what happened in Tulsa among the other you know his, uh, um, Black massacres in the United States. You know, and so it, it and this is why it has armed itself and engages in self-determination the way it does. You know, it, it recognizes that spirituality and community are important. And, and this is why, you know, everything is, is done the way it is or, or the way that the city, um, you know, is is alive in and of itself, given the, you know, the AI that helps to run it. And, you know, it's it's it, these are these it, the, the ways in which it, it understands itself and functions is the result of right a an a, an acknowledgement of history, given the history that we, you know, at this present moment, like you and I having this conversation yeah. are aware of and, and unaware of. So I, I think it's, it's just, a, it's a, it's an attempt to, to see a viable space that we could, that we could get to from, from, from this moment that we, that we are, or when people <laughs> listen to this, whenever that is. Yes. And I think, <laughs> I think that's really powerful, honestly. And that's creating hope by starting where we are in this exact moment because I do think when we watch something that has never been colonized or has never been touched, it's more, it's imaginative in a way that can be idealistic and maybe feel like we can't reach that point because that's not where we are and that's not our history. But starting at where we are does create hope. It says like, here is, here's where we are and here's where we need to be or here's where we can be. Um, so starting off yeah. with something that's more familiar, people's actual reality is creating hope and creating solutions. So I hope so. That's great. (laughs) Yes. Well, thank you, Dr. Butler. Um, I want to end on the hopeful note and I really appreciate you for taking time to speak with me today. Thank you. Nah, this is dope. I I always love your questions and just being able to sit down and talk with you. It's a pleasure and it's uh, it's an honor. Thank you. Thank you.